Welcome to You Are Not A Goat. If you want to follow your passion and do what you love, this is the podcast for you. Without further ado, here's your host, Slimy Zions. Hello and welcome back to You Are Not A Goat. My name is Shlomi Zions and I am your host. Thank you for listening. We have an awesome show for you today. Before we get into that, I just wanted to let you know that tomorrow, God willing, I'll be uploading a new YouTube video on my channel, Shlomi Zions. There's a link in the show notes. It's going to be a YouTube channel about travel. There's already one video up there, but I'm going to try to do it more often. So we're looking into having videos every week. Check it out tomorrow. It's going to be launching. So please subscribe to the YouTube channel. Again, there's a link in the show description and never miss a video. In other news, last week I mentioned that I was going to start reading reviews, feedback, etc. on the show. So for this week, we have a review that came in on the podcast app, the iTunes podcast app, the Apple podcast app, I should say. And uh, by the way, if you have not yet left a review on the podcast app, please do so. Please subscribe as well. It helps the show grow. Leave us a nice review. I will always appreciate it. And I may just read it on the show. So this review comes from Plain Vanilla, who says, I bumped into the podcast by accident, but once I started, I binge listened to all episodes. Great topics, great guests, and intriguing topics. Keep up the good work. Well, thank you, Plain Vanilla. Thank you for leaving that review, whoever you are. Uh, Please contact me. Send me a direct message on Facebook or Twitter or Instagram or you can email me, uh, you are not a go to gmail.com, and I will send you a gift card. And to anyone else who would like to leave a review, if I do end up reading your review on the show, you will get a gift card as well. So yeah, let's make it happen. Now, let's get into this episode. This week, we talked to somebody who is quite famous in the foodie world. Uh, It's going to be a juicy interview, and when I say juicy, I say that for a reason, because we are going to be talking to Izzy Edelman, the founder, CEO, master chef, pit boss, whatever you want to call him, of Izzy's Barbecue in Crown Heights, Brooklyn. Uh, Izzy has become, in a very short time, he's become a world-renowned barbecue master. People come from all over to try his food, and it's really interesting to me how somebody who presumably started off not knowing anything about barbecue, becomes the top person in the field. If you have not yet eaten by Izzy's Restaurant, it's in Crown Heights, you totally should stop by. The food is amazing. I've been there numerous times. Took my wife. I've taken friends. Everyone loves it. Um, I'm not going to tell you more about it. You just should try it for yourself. But lucky for you guys, you can hear all about it from the founder himself. So without further ado, here is the king of kosher barbecue, Izzy Edelman. Today we have a real treat. The man, the legend, Izzy Edelman, founder and what do we call you, chef? Just just Izzy is cool. Just Izzy. Okay. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Thank you for coming on. So my first question is, can you give me a little bit of background about yourself, who you are, where you're from, etc.? 
I'm, I'm actually, uh, you know, born and raised in Brooklyn. Um, both of my parents are Israeli. I grew up in Borough Park for most of my life, then um, switched over to uh, Kronites. Um, my what parents else? are Chabad. Um, I start well, we always had a, a relationship. All my, my mother's Chabad, so we always went to Kronites growing up as kids a lot. Um, and I started going to school in seventh grade mm-hmm. to a Chabad school. Started going to school, um, went to the system, went to Yeshiva, went to Israel, went to London. Um, did Smith after, got back, um, didn't really have any, you know, formal school education. Wasn't really, you know, for me sitting down in a class, uh, it was a little hard for me. Welcome to so the I club. sort of went into the, yep, sort of went into the, you know, working world. I went into work for a building supplies company. And over the years, I, I dealt, I pretty much within a seven year span, I worked for, you know, companies that dealt with management companies, supplied building supplies. Um, but pr- pretty much, I, I de- definitely felt a void, and I de- definitely felt like um, um, I wasn't living to my capacity. Um, but I guess everything happens for a reason, because um, at some point, um, I would say five, six years ago almost, um, someone by the name of Ari White, who was also no- back at the time, was known as Hakadosh Barbecue, also right. known as, is known now as the Wandering Q, actually. We saw an ad that he's going to do a street fair you know, going to bring his big smoker, you know, in Park Slope. And, you know, for, for me back then, it's only something we saw on TV and barbecue did not really exist, really. And it was almost like a, an anomaly. We weren't sure what it is. It looked amazing, but never able to try it. So um, that Sunday, my wife and I went over to his fair in Park Slope. We, we spent a few hundred dollars there just eating brisket, you know, just watching the lines, you know, smelling the wood fire burning and, you know, something inside of me sort of changed, you know, not as much as that I wanted to open up, obviously, a restaurant at the time. I just, you know, I felt like, you know, it, it was something so enjoyable just sitting at the fire watching a brisket that I, I really wanted to do it from home for fun. So I, I tried doing it. I tried smoking a brisket with no fat on my gas grill, and it was the most disgusting thing I ever had. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, over time, I just kept on, you know, you know, started, you know, learning about briskets. And Aaron Franklin, who is, you know, considered, you know, the – He's a, he has the busiest barbecue restaurant in Austin, Texas. People line up six hours before he opens up for his brisket. And wow. he had a YouTube video back then, you know, that along with speaking to other people, you know, I was just, I was so, you know, fascinated with this cuisine that I just spoke to everybody. I drove Ari White nuts for a while when I was, you know, followed him everywhere. Um, I saw, I bought a smoker in my, in my parents' little back, backyard on their porch. I started smoking a brisket. My first night of smoking a brisket, actually, was in the winter and, Brooklyn, two, three in the morning, the briskets are going on, like waking up every 20 minutes to feed the fire. And suddenly I hear uh, fire trucks going on on the block. And I look outside my window and I see that they're, they're just looking, 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 and they can't find anything. I'm pretty much in my underwear. I call them into the back uh, porch. Guys, I think this is what you're looking for. And the guy speaks to the radio. You know, check one, two, guy smoking a brisket. You know, we're good. It was so uncommon, you know, for somebody to be smoking a brisket in uh Borough Park in, 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 on a small porch backyard. Mm-hmm. Um, so over time, I started smoking at my house. I, I created a Facebook page, which was called Izzy's Barbecue Addiction at the time, only to offset the cost of what, you know, briskets were, were costing me every weekend. And then at a certain point, I realized that, you know, my job really wasn't for me, and I sort of wanted to jump into the food world without really having any knowledge whatsoever of the restaurant industry. You know, it took us a long time to open up a 600-square-foot store, which coming up now in the next, actually in three days, it's our four-year anniversary, and it's also my birthday as well. 
Mazel uh, that. As well. And honestly, yeah, it's crazy. It feels like we opened up a year ago, honestly. It doesn't feel that long. It feels that long, but at the same time, it does not feel that long. So it's pretty interesting. And uh, it's been a crazy ride. We just won Rip King 2019, where we competed against another like 20 other smokehouses. I saw as that well. as well. Congratulations. Yeah, like I said, we won Brisket King 2017. We came runner up 2015. Baruch Hashem, we're blessed. We're very fortunate to be where I am. And uh, thank God. So you're known like pretty much as the king of kosher barbecue. Everyone knows about you. People come from all over to try your food. How did you get that knowledge properly to just go from a guy smoking briskets to the guy who everyone tries to emulate in their smoking life? Um, yeah, I, I wouldn't say uh, um, king is the correct term, but I, I could tell you about anything is that the amount of time that I devoted to um, that specific craft, you know, plus speaking to people was, I, w- I would say, is the equivalent of the amount that people, you know, go to university or, pro- or go to school or to learn a profession. And honestly, it's like I live and breathe this every day. And, and I think one of the biggest, you know, uh, attributes of, of where, where I am today and where, where you know, it is today is that, like, there is no content. I, I, I don't ever at any point feel like, you know, oh, I'm the best, I'm good, I could relax. No, we want to be the best. We want to make the best barbecue. We want to make the best brisket. And, you know, we're trying to find every advantage we can. And, and every day, how can we make it a little bit better? There is no content. I feel like the second you feel like you reach the top of the mountain is when you go right back down. You know, so I think that, that, that that's our motto, that, you know, you know, stay humble, try hard. Um, I think that's uh, been the key to success for us. Nice. And at some point, did you go out to Texas to learn from uh, some of the people over there? Um, I really, you know how people say that they go to, you know, to Oman for Rosh Hashanah. So for yeah. me, I go to Austin. I go to Austin for, for my, my Oman. Really is that uh, you know it's, it's it's even though I can't really eat the food obviously, but just going down there, seeing you know the people waiting online, seeing the you know the the effort that people are putting into their food, it's something amazing to watch. And you know what's different in the barbecue community versus other food industries or other industries in general is that most people in all industries, you know, when it comes to competitors, everyone is very you know hush hush. You know, everyone has to worry about themselves, and everything is pretty secretive. However, with the barbecue industry, it's really not the same. You know, you realize that, that all the restaurateurs, like all the, all the guys, all the top guys, and all the old friends, they all speak to each other, they all do events together. And the reason why is because, think about it, if you're going to go ahead and go smoke a brisket for, you know, eight, for 18 hours and actually watch it, and, and, you know, you have maybe a 10-minute window, you know, as to where, assuming you did everything right, you trimmed it right, you know, you bought the right meat, you know, you watch your fires right, and you have a 10-minute window to where the meat's ready, you know, you're pretty crazy and you're insane. So to find somebody who shares that same passion with you, you know, I, you know, the, the, the last thing you want to do is not talk to him. You want to talk to him, you want to talk to him about it, how was your experience, how did it go, you know, you know, no one knows what we're doing really. So that's really where the barbecue community, community differs from other industries really. Nice. And, and let me ask you this. A friend of mine told me, I don't know if this is true, but this is the rumor, that when you went to Texas, you, you bought like a new barbecue, you brought your own kosher meat and spices and seasonings and everything. You had one of the famous pitmasters make you his food in a kosher way. Is that true? Yeah. So, yeah, I consider myself very, very lucky. What happened was in 2017 when we had won Brisket in New York, which is uh, the, the brisket competition here in New York, we won that year. And one of the judges, like I mentioned before, was, it was Aaron Franklin, one of the mm-hmm. guest judges. And he was the guy who I just mentioned that in Austin, Texas, he has a line of four to six hours. 
he's only open for lunch and people line up six hours and literally so he actually invited um him and someone else the other guy's name is daniel vaughn on instagram he calls himself the barbecue snob okay. he was sort of like goes to barbecue places and he gives reviews he's the only paid barbecue critic in the world really so him and i have relationship and he can he sort of try to you know tell aaron franklin listen you know, Izzy's, you know, Izzy's trying to emulate what, you know, Central Texas barbecue is what sort of we're doing because uh, within barbecue itself is regions. You know, you have your, your tech, your, within Texas, you have a whole bunch of regions and you have, you know, Kansas City, which is more, which is more like burnt ends and you have the Carolinas, which is ribs and you have, you know, other, other regions have their own uh, things they do. So my specific cuisine really um, sort of is, is emulating Central Texas barbecue, which is pretty much where brisket is king. The beef, which we're Jewish, we could relate to that. And it's a simple salt and black pepper and let the fire do the talking. So Aaron Franklin is sort of the monk on that. And he's, he's renowned, he's renowned around, around the world. And so he's sort of, he's sort of invited us to come down to Austin, Texas, because he's actually releasing um, a backyard smoker line. So he had a brand new smokers. We came down with the meat to Austin, Texas. I went down with Ari White from The Wandering Q. Right. We went there for two, two days. And it was just, it was just an amazing experience, you know. You know, it wasn't only that the food was amazing, just, you know, the, the, the environment and the ambiance that you're in over there, you know, sitting in the picnic tables, you know, you know, burning this gorgeous post oak wood. It was just an amazing experience. And the guy was a, an amazing, gracious host. Let me ask you a weird question. When, when he cooked the food, I'm assuming he tried it as well. So in his opinion, how did it compare to uh, the kosher food, the kosher meat, to the meat that he usually uh, cooks? Very, very similar. similar. Obviously, like we uh, judge, we uh, adjusted the rub accordingly based on, you know, obviously we know that kosher meat is a little saltier. Right. So we, you know, sort of played around with that. But as far as the quality, like everything, like a big part of, you know, um, why people, you know, love Izzy's and they come here is that almost all our briskets are prime. It's a very high quality product, you know. But that's like people tell you, like, before anything, it's about the quality of the meat that, that you start with. You know, you start with a bad piece of meat. You know, you could dress it a he and a hair, but at the end of the day, uh, you know, you want to you're devoting you know 24 hours to cook a piece of meat. You want to make sure you start off with a great pro- product. So um, it was a, it was a very sim- similar product to what he got. I can't tell you if it's as good as what he got. I don't think even if he would say if it's worse, he's just a really nice kind of mensch that I wouldn't really know. But it seems like it's a very similar product in my opinion. Okay. So then you started the business. Can you tell me a little bit about the process, what it was like, and the challenges you faced in the beginning? Okay. Um, as far as us, when it came to a brick and mortar, no one actually had a brick and mortar smokehouse. Meaning there was brick and mortar smokehouses, but we were the only ones who were burning wood-fired grills. Meaning there are other places that are using smokers mm-hmm. that they use gas. And the reason why people use those smokers is because you could sort of you know, set it before you go home, and you come back in the morning and you check it. For us, we were the first person that sort of, um, one of the first ones that really had somebody, you know, watching the fires all night, you know, what woods we use. There was so much details into the science of cooking a brisket more than, more than just a single piece of meat. So sort of, you know, figuring out, you know, we opened up a restaurant that, that is way too small, you know, um, I don't, not to have been to our place, but a really yeah, small restaurant. Times. Yeah. Exactly. So it's a really small place. Like I never, like I thought we were going to open up a small community place. Never mm-hmm. thought that, that most of my clientele would be from out of um, the community. So just, just, you know, dealing with aspects like how much meat do we cook, you know, also introducing a cuisine that but pretty much when you come to a restaurant, all you're paying for is the quality of the meat. There's no, there's no frills. There's no, uh, you know, I guess you're, you're, you're paying for a high quality piece of meat and you're getting it on a tray with a plastic fork and knife. 
Right. And that's what barbecue is. It's simple food for the people. Even though if you think about it, that, you know, people would go to a steakhouse and, and spend, you know, insane amount, insane amount of money. But for some reason, even in the, this isn't even in the non-kosher world, that when it comes to the smokers, people don't, don't, do not expect to pay that pricing. However, if you think about it, if you think a steak, how long, how long does a steak t- take to grill? 10, 12 minutes, half hour? A piece of brisket take, could take up to 24 hours just cooking-wise. So shouldn't that be something that should be, uh, you know, the most expensive product? For sure. So people have people think that it's you know it's a cheaper product, but the reality is that it's one of the most highest quality products that you had a you had you had sort of an artist you know you know watching it all, all night you know making sure that you have a great product. So, so you, you know, literally dealers, have someone you know, standing there all night. Yeah, absolutely. Wow. And um, there's so many factors, and it's not only that. Like obviously, you know, we're, we're, if I was doing one brisket, I could watch one brisket and not with the hawk. But we have some briskets that are you know that are drier. Some you know some animals are just leaner, so. You know, playing around with that, making sure that every customer's experience is, is, you know, is good. However, when you have so many people coming into a small place, stuff go wrong. So dealing with all that, you know, dealing with, you know, dealing with, with meat vendors as well, not being able to get meat at times, um, and just just the, the on top of running a restaurant, which is a bit, one of the hardest businesses as well, is it's it's really hard. Um, it's very rewarding rewarding as well, but it really faces it. Um, it's own, it challenges on its own. You know, we have, let's say, if a smoker breaks down, one night, you know, just dealing with wood and fire, something breaks. That's it. There is no food the next day. There is no, there is no way about, about it, you know? Has that so, ever happened? Uh, um, of course, yeah. Yeah, there are, there, are, there are a few instances where we have to close the next day, or at least for lunch, at least, because, you know, we had a smoker malfunction, Mm-hmm. Or you know our meat purveyors, you know, uh, deliveries were short, you know, because we like before before Yontif, a lot of times, all the supermarkets are buying all the cuts, so you know yeah. us restaurateurs are have a harder time to get meat. Um, and over time, you know, being that you know one of the most common items in, in barbecue is pork ribs, so we don't really have that um, similar item. So you know, trying to play around with coming up with other items, you know, like you know whether it's a beef rib or a lamb rib or you know, the shore ribs or other specials to try to come up with to sort of uh, substitute that item. It, it's just, there's constant challenges and, and stuff to deal with. And uh, like I said, for every, for example, let's say I start off with a 20 pound brisket. When I'm done cooking that brisket, I'm left with maybe nine pounds. So it just, it's just an ex- expensive, uh, you know, product you're dealing with. Um, so sort of introducing that food to the market without giving you you know, a fancy fork or knife or a plate was its own challenge introducing that to the market. Like people are saying, I don't understand if I'm paying 60 bucks for a rib, then why don't I, my, why am I not getting a nice plate and nice metal fork and a knife? Right. No, 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 you're paying solely for the quality of, of the craft. That's all you're paying for. So listen, people have responded well to it. I would, you know, I'm going to say, but like I said, you still have its uh, ch- ch- challenges or, or sometimes you see people coming in, not sure what Izzy's is, you know, they hear about it. They come in, you know, they come in with their wife and their high heels and they're expecting some fancy place. And the reality is it's just a place where people come, pick out and eat and enjoy. Right. I'm just backtracking for one second. You said a 20 pound brisket will end up with nine pounds. That's because you have to trim it and because it shrinks while it's cooking? Yeah. So what happens is that, so we, so we trim it. Like I said, if you're cooking a brisket at home, you would, you would trim the fats off. But by us, that being that we want to make sure that every piece is a perfect piece when we slice. So any of the ends, any of the, any of the things that may go dry or may may not, you know, be, you know, edible for our sta- standards is we'll usually um, trim off as well. And on top of that, when you smoke it for a long time, there's a ton of water weight that, you know, water that starts to release from the meat. So, you know, when you're cooking for an 18-hour 18 18 hour cook, 
you're talking about a ton of uh, uh, water and liquid that, that's, that's leaving the brisket. So you're mm-hmm. left with, you know, probably a little under half when you're cooking. So people ask me, why, why are you priced so expensive? I'm like, listen, you know, if you come here one day and you see what the food cost is and what, uh, and, uh, you know, how much work goes into it, you know, you tell me how, how much you, you would charge. The funny thing is, like, I was actually at a, a non-kosher place yesterday. I took a... You know, a few. I, I had a meeting there with a few other fr- friends who are who are on Jewish, you know, to speak about barbecue and smoked meat. And you know, just look at the pricing over there, and they were literally a few dollars less than we are, and they're non-kosher. And I know that their food cost is less than half of ours. So I guess it's sort of, you know, at the same time, we we can only charge X amount, obviously, for for brisket or whatever it is. So there's so many challenges and and everyday stuff that we're, we're Basically, that's, you know, that uh, we have to overcome. But at the end of the day, you know, it's still very rewarding. And uh, we're happy to do it. Awesome. Okay. So the next question would be, you know, I've, I've actually been to, at your restaurant three times. Um, every time was a home run. I love your empanadas. Your, the ribs are awesome. Thank you. Uh, haven't had any of the sandwiches yet. Uh, we like the, the, the sweet potato with the pecans. How do you come up with all these recipes? Like, not for the meat, let's say for the, the side things. Um, so, a whole bunch of the stuff as well. Like when I was, uh, well, our menu is still very, very small, obviously. But, but when I was uh, sort of cre- creating the menu, we're talking about creating, we're talking about, you know, brisket, ribs, a few items. I said, what stuff would I like to eat with that on the side? And pretty much all the stuff that's on the menu is sort of these um, bar- barbecue sides. Um, the empanadas actually were, were my mom's idea. I was actually very hesitant to add it on, um, but I'm glad we did actually because it's a big seller. Yeah. Um, and uh, and uh, yeah, yeah. It was just you know, I'm just tr- trying to come up with stuff at sides that that really pair well with the meat. And uh, yeah, that's what we do. Well, keep up your work. Thank you. Okay, so the next question is: um, You recently opened a second restaurant. Is that correct? So, what's the transition like from going to like Central Texas to Mexican food, and how it's do they actually, mix? Very, very. It's it's actually very, very similar to think about it. So we're sort of um, the next door, sort of a Tex-Mex. It, oh, I, it's a separate restaurant, but it's really a, an addition to our menu, you know, of our main store. So it's sort of um Tex-Mex, and what what that really is is that in Texas, uh sort of they call them the, the Tejanos in Texas where the Mexicans would come over to Texas. And what they would do is is that they, they, they would cook back then, which is known as barbacoa, where they would cook sort of the, the head of the cow underground. And, you know, they would put it in the pit, make a fire under there, close it up, after work, come back. And they would actually eat it with, come back from work, and they would actually eat it with fresh handmade tortillas. And, uh, and that, that's what they would do after work. It was like sort of poor man's food. It was a treat almost. So that's sort of what we're doing as well. We're sort of, um, you know, you know, sort of we're taking um, barbecue to the next level. Is yeah. So we have a, you know, an amazing smokehouse. So now we're sort of trying to, you know, evolve our menu, and that we're taking these, you know, you know, delicious, you know, smoked meats, whether it's lamb or brisket, or you know, tongue or other items, and we're sort of pairing it with fresh tortillas, you know, fresh sauces as well. And in addition, you know, we have some other, um, you know, Central American items as well. And we're sort of, we're trying to, you know, evolve the kosher palate, you know, trying to show that the Jewish people that, you know, that we can make, you know, really good food. Um, and, you know, there is other cuisines that, that we can try, even though they're not kosher. And that's really what, what we're trying to do is, you know, make people understand, you know, this region of food. And I would say, I would say the, 
difference in that is that it's not really as heavy as, as uh, the smoked meat that we have next door. So this one, it pierces really, really, really well. And if you don't want to, you want to eat sort of like a snack and you don't want to go so heavy, the taqueria definitely fits that bill. On top of that, we have other items like rice bowls mixed with smoked brisket or smoked lamb or, or carnitas, you know. Um, so we have a, it's a really cool menu. I see. So basically what it is, it's like the meat from the smokehouse in a Mexican style. With um, American style. Yeah. And we, we, we added on some other not non-smoked items as well. But yeah, that, that's really what it is. I love the fact that you're able to take like your existing business and start a new one based around the existing one yet with a new flavor. It's really cool. But, but there, there's no question. Um, um, it, it, everything has its, you know, you know, the fact that pretty much everything we're doing is introducing new food to the, to the Jewish community, really. So with, with every restaurant that was sort of opening, um, the restaurant open would sort of have to, you know, educate as well. Like, like for example, let's say when you go, like when someone non-Jewish go, goes to a restaurant, how often is that person going to ask, what's this or what's that? You know, they go, they're going to a restaurant, they know what kind of restaurant they're going to. You know, by us, we have questions like they, they come into the place, the restaurant, they're like, you know, what's this? You know, yeah. what's pico de gallo? What's you know, the tomato salsa? What's a tortilla? So you know, we're start, sort of we're sort of educating from the beginning, really, which you know, which is cool, but also has its uh, um, issues as well. Okay, so the next question is that you're running right now. You're running two restaurants. Um, restaurant is a very stressful business, as you mentioned. Can you tell me a little bit about the challenges and and how you manage? you know, to keep customers happy, staff happy, and all that? It's, you know, it's very, very hard. I'm still trying to figure that out every day. Um, um, I, I guess, uh, you know, the one thing I would say is is that, you know, don't try taking shortcuts in terms of the food. That's one thing that when it comes to to food quality, we, we for sure do not skip, skimp. I also believe in, um, this is my opinion, it does not mean it's right. Like, I'm not meaning that, if I was to have one specific restaurant, I would sort of try to, you know, make as much money in it as possible. But being that I want to sort of create a hospitality group, I'm not sure if you know, but we're opening up a fried chicken place um, in Cronites as well, a fried chicken beer garden Southern Comfort Place. Oh, really? So What's that happening? For, yeah, that's happening within within a month. We're hoping to open up. It's uh, focusing on fried chicken, biscuits, donuts, waffles, food wow. that, that 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 makes people happy. Um, so like my, like our goal here is, is is to sort of open up a hospitality group and and you know create good working environment for people. So I definitely believe in empowering the workers. Um, and obviously you know we we overpay our workers. We don't overpay, but we, we pay them accordingly because we you know I'm I'm looking you know I'm looking I'm looking more in terms of investment from them. I'm not looking for people who have to replace you know worry about they're not going to show up to work. You know it happens anyway, obviously. But you know you feel like if you know if people are happy in the workplace, they're they're you know, they're they're probably they're going to stay more likely than than leave. Um, so that's really the goal for us. You know, keep people happy. You know, keep them motivated. Focus on quality. You know, if you know if something's wrong with the customer, like you have, you have to under, like you know someone was saying that you know, if you see a customer you know waiting a long time, it just happens sometimes. You know, just be honest and listen. You know, uh, you know it took us 18 hours to cook this meat. We're only able this is what we're able to do. We can only serve you at a certain point. I don't want to like we had so many times decisions is when I could have offered an inferior product to a customer while he's waiting for a long time. But then I think to myself, no, 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 
you know, people are coming. I almost like I heard this from this is what Aaron Franklin said this, and I've been saying this before as well, that people are waiting on your line only to prove you only to say you have subpar food because people are coming to your place. They don't care what happened to you the day before. They know that they broke a liquid an hour and a half. They want to make sure that your food is on par. They don't want to hear excuses. Right. So in my mind, I'd rather keep them waiting another 10, 15, 20 minutes, which seems like a long time, but give them a product that they're going to enjoy versus give them an inferior product and sort of try to rush the cook. Or there's so many times where I saw that briskets were, were, were not up to par. They weren't good enough to, to serve, and people were begging me, just, just give us the brisket. I said, listen, I'd rather not sell you and not make the money than give you uh, an inf- inferior product, and, and, you know, and your, your expectations are not going to, you know, what's what you expected. So I just feel like just, you know, maintaining high quality, you know, you know, being honest with people. I think I feel like that's, you know, make sure your employees are happy are the key to success, especially if you want to have a, a few restaurants. And by the way, and that and that does not mean that you're going to, you know, you, you're going to succeed. That, that just means you just have a higher risk. Like I said, coming you know, food industry is the hardest thing to succeed in. You know, you're working for each dollar you make. There's so many sales that, that are involved and interacted in and there's yeah. food costs and there's food waste and this is not. It just—it's a grind every day. Wow, that's very impressive. What you do with, like, you know, making sure you don't send out anything that's not up to par, and uh, I'm—I hope I, it's I, working I, for it you. Happened, and, and and it has happened in the past because there's times that I'm not there, and it happens. But it, it, it's, you know, I try to insult my employees that we don't do that. Right. Okay. Now you mentioned that you're going to be opening a third restaurant, which sounds really awesome. Like the fried chicken is. I think it's a very good idea. Is that going to be near the other two Izzy's restaurants? With Carnites, but it's on Kingston Avenue. It's right next to Basil, um, yeah. Kingston between Lincoln and St. John. So it's more of a, a central um, area. You know, we're going to have a beer garden in the backyard probably a half year after we open. We're waiting for our licenses. Um, but it, the idea is that it's, you know, southern comfort food. Really. Right. Do you ever worry that you're, like, spreading yourself too thin because you you keep expanding? Like, that's a lot... To you know, a lot of them on your plate. Uh, I, I I do, but at the end of the day, I, I I don't feel stressed or overwhelmed. I'm just about I want to create good food in the kosher industry. You know, I, I'm you know I'm I'm sort of trying to live out my 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 dream. Mm-hmm. And uh, and like I said, I feel like if you build a good foundation, you know, within you know your your employee ranks and and uh, and good hobbies, it's for sure easier than than re- recreating a mom and pop shop. You know. From each store to store. That's awesome. And like, what's the limit for you? Have do you see any number of restaurants who say, "No, that's too much. I can't do that anymore." Like, are you going to keep growing and doing this? I, I don't know. Well, honestly, for me, like, there obviously, you know, you want to make a living and make fun of some. But for me, the goal is that, like, I'm like, okay, listen, this is this is I'm a, I'm so young now. This is my my years of, you know, growing. I want to sort of you know make make good food. You know, I, de- I probably you know we for sure I definitely want to have a bigger smokehouse. But after that, I don't know. It, like, it could be I'll be content with that. I don't have to have, like, I don't envision I need to have 30, 40 restaurants. It's not where I am. I just want to focus on making good food, um, you know, having, you know, places, you know, people can eat. And if it stops after this one, that's fine. If it stops after one other one, that's also fine. Can you see yourself branching out of Crown Heights or franchising or, like, growing it nationally? Um, franchise nationally, not anytime soon, because like I said, we're focused on a really high quality product. That's where got us to, to where we are. Yeah. It would be very and difficult to, to maintain point. that with a franchise. Exactly. Yeah. But like, let's say moving to other parts of Brooklyn or New Jersey. Um, 
Maybe eventually, but for, I think for us, the next goal is, you know, to get the, I know, taqueria going and to get the fried chicken going. Um, and then after that, you know, these are all like full-time jobs as well. And then we'll see what happens after that. Right. Okay. Now I know people come from all over to try your food. I'm sure you have a lot of great stories to tell. Can you share like with us one crazy story, something that happened with uh, a customer or something like that? Many. I'm just trying to see what's considered a crazy enough story. Um, a good story. You know, we had people. Uh, there's a there's a few of them like this. You know these 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 two these two two guys. Um, you know I see them coming with with their suitcases. What? Well, sorry, with the carry on, and they're coming straight into my uh, restaurant. And ask them, you know, how come we're here for business? No, no, we came here to eat, and we're flying back to LA after uh, tonight to eat. You know, we had stories like that, like literally people, you know, coming uh, um, literally from from everywhere to come eat, um, or the or the or only or just the sheer amount of food that like like, like our menu is small, mm-hmm. so we have these two people who spend literally like five hundred dollars on on food, which is easy to say, it's a ton of food, right? And we thought there's no way they're gonna finish, and then they come in like half hour later and they order more more food as well, I'm like. Oh my gosh! These guys do not stop. It's, it's insane. But we have just people, you know, tr- you know, coming from Canada, going right back. Um, we have a very devoted following, which is, which is insane. No, well, I'm very happy for you that you have that. Um, my next question would be: If someone wants to start a business or take on really any any big project in life, something that takes a lot of work, what would be your advice to them? A thousand times, only shoot once. You know, make sure you do your homework over and over and over and over and over. And uh, once, once, you, and once you do that homework and uh, you feel like the concept or the idea is sort, is sort of sound, you know, know that you are going to have, you know, haters and naysayers. Um, you know, you know, just just do it if you're confident about it. But I would say think and do do research before. But you know you're you're really the only person who uh, who could say no to anything you want to do. Really, everything else is just an excuse. You know, people are going to tell you it's an excuse. Just 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 really, you know, focus on what your niche is and just um, just do it. And do not be scared to ask people. That's what I would tell people. And besides for not being scared to ask people, what I learned the most is what not to do from people. I sort of saw what people did and like you know this is not really for me. I'm going to do do something else. Right. So I would say, like, ask, ask, ask. You know, you'd be you'd be surprised how much people information I want to share, and then make a this decision from from there whether that works for you or not. Okay. Now, um, speaking of naysayers, did you have anybody who tried to talk you out of doing this, or you know, people saying like, "Who's this Jewish kid who thinks going to start a bar?" Everyone. 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 Wow. Everyone, my. Everyone, and you know what? And I, I don't blame, blame them either. I wasn't in the food industry before. I had no idea what I was doing. I was going into an industry that no one really knew, you know, if it could work in kosher or not. So I don't blame them either. But at the same time, uh, I was sort of headstrong in this. Ren, it must be awesome to be able to look back and show everyone that you proved them wrong. With their uh, I, I don't, I, I, you know, I don't care about that really. It's more about, you know, we have enough you know, challenges every day that just overcoming them is good enough for me. I see. Okay, now, if it's okay, can I ask you two more questions? Sure. Okay, um, this one is for people who try to smoke stuff at home or people maybe who don't even have smokers. What tips can you give people who want to cook good meat in their kitchen? So I, I would recommend that everybody should have a charcoal grill in their backyard. It's a pretty basic tool. 
that, mm-hmm. you know, that anybody who has a backyard could use. And what I would say is, and the reason I'm saying that because, you know, you can't match, you know, what, you know, charcoal and wood gives you over a gas flow. You have so much more flavor within that. And the second thing I would say is do not start with a piece of brisket, even though it's simply macho and cool. It could be very intimidating, very time-consuming, and may turn you off from smoking completely. So I would say start off with a piece of chicken or, you know, a small rack of uh, ribs. You know, those items are more easy to get into and, you know, going to be really enjoyable once, once you make it. I see. Okay, and for the last question, if you could sit down with anybody in the world, alive or dead, anyone throughout history, and you could have a beer with them, who would you choose and why? Uh, I don't know if I can answer this, this que- um, question now. I'm not sure there's so many. Uh, I wasn't prepared for this question. I'm not sure. There's so many people. Right, I'm not sure. Answer. I have no idea. Anything that comes to mind? Anybody? You could give a few people or... I don't know. Okay, well, you know what? I, I like the fact that you just want to think about it because most people will just spit something out just, you know, just to give an answer. But I like the fact that you're like, you know, you, it really says something about sort of the same way you run your business. Everything that comes out has to be perfect. Thank you. I appreciate that. Well, thank you for taking the time to come on the show. We really appreciate it. And good luck with all of your endeavors. Once again, you make awesome food. I hope to come into New York next week and hopefully stop by your place. Thank you very much, and I appreciate that. That was Izzy Edelman, the owner of Izzy's Barbecue Smokehouse. If you want to check out his restaurant, it's located at 397 Troy Avenue in Brooklyn, New York, 11213 USA. I really think you should go there. Food's awesome. As a matter of fact, I am flying to New York tonight, and I hope to be able to visit the restaurant and get some of his awesome food in my stomach, ASAP. It's really that good. Worth a trip from anywhere. Hope you enjoyed this episode. Before we go, I just want to remind you again that if you have not subscribed to the YouTube channel, please do so. The link is in the description. You can also follow us on all of our channels, uh, both accounts, my personal account, at Chusidel, that's C-H-U-S-I-D-E-L, on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at you are not a goat on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. And please leave a review to the podcast. Once again, if I do end up reading your review online, on the show, on air, I will send you a gift card. So there's a little incentive for you to leave us a review. And that's all for this week. Um, thank God we did get an episode out this week. I promised it last week, and now it's here. I hope to be able to put out another episode next week and the week after and the week after. I am working on my consistency and I'm getting better at it. So thank God for that. And I really look forward to seeing you next week. Have a good one and peace out. You are not a goat. The podcast for you.